you go when you think your teenager is using drugs? What are symptoms you can watch for? How can parents intervene and find support and resources? Join us today on Family Shield. Our topic is dealing with drugs in your family. This is Kay Meyer, president of Family Shield Ministries and your host for today's program. My guest is Patty Bitter of Tapestry Counseling. She has over 25 years of experience in counseling and alcohol and substance abuse in treatment centers and has worked with hundreds of families dealing with loved ones who have gotten involved with drugs. Welcome, Patty. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, this is an important topic. I know from talking to you, it's important to you. Substance abuse, it's not something we want to happen in our families, is it? No, it isn't. And it can cause a a whole lot of pain in a lot of different ways. You know, when I first got involved in uh, counseling, my desire to be a counselor and be a helper I had a passion for kids, and along the way, part of what happened was I realized that a lot of times, if I was working with the kids, it was really the parents that were struggling, and that if I could help the parents, I ultimately helped the kids even better. Mm-hmm. So that's my and substance abuse is certainly a, a, a big part of family life today. It really, unfortunately, it really is one of the reasons I decided we needed to do this is because I have some friends, a couple that have lost children to drug overdoses, and others that have confided in me that their children are on drugs. And it's not something we ever raise our children thinking this is going to happen to us. We we just really think it's never going to happen. So I want this uh, program today to to plug into what you have learned over the years and ask you to share with our listeners what they should do if they think their teenager is using drugs. That might be a grandma who thinks their grandchild is mm-hmm. using drugs. Don't tune us out. Listen, because there's going to be some good advice today, and you need to hear the program. So what do we do? Let's say we have a teenager, and we ju- we're a parent or a grandparent, and we just think something's not quite right. Pay attention to that feeling and to those thoughts. You know, I have a lot of parents that think those kinds of thoughts and then dismiss them pretty quickly because not my child, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. or, you know, oh, he's just going through a rough time or he's just become a teenager. So it's hormones or something like that. That may very well be true. But at the same time, if you if you have that concern, we don't want to sweep it under the rug. We want to pay attention. It's there for a reason. Yeah. So don't be naive and and just just think it's never going to happen to you. Because it happens to lots of families, lots of socioeconomic. Exactly. It doesn't it doesn't matter. Race, creed, socioeconomic status doesn't matter, doesn't matter. Okay. well, let's talk first about some signs and symptoms that parents might be watching for. Okay. One, One of the ways that over the years, I like to think about this to sort of help parents get their arms around it. Because given the amount of different kinds of drugs that are out there today, 
it would be impossible for me to cover all the signs and symptoms. Okay. So just a way to think about it is in terms of sort of the four or five major areas of life. So let's take the physical symptoms. You know, physically, you want to look at things like if you notice your child's eyes are really dilated, or they're very pinpoint, that certainly can be uh, significant in terms of especially if you know, the the light in the room in, in everybody else's pupils look different. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if your child's is really pinpoint or something like that, that can be indicative of any of the narcotic drugs. Uh, dilation can be de- depressants, things like that. Uh, you want to keep an eye on their cleanliness. So if you have a child that's always been sort of concerned about their appearance and things like that, and all of a sudden, they're just not so concerned anymore. They're not washing their hair. It's getting stringy, things like that. Uh, you want to look for that. Now, granted, some of the things I'm talking about could also be signs of depression or eating disorders or even gambling in teens. So you, I'll mention these symptoms, but you you don't want to just latch on to one and think, oh, it must be drugs, because it might not be. It may not be. It is worth checking out, though. And if you're compiling a list in your head and you're getting more and more of these symptoms, you want to pay attention and seek professional help mm-hmm. so that you can figure out what's really might be going on. Other physical symptoms, um, you know, this is sort of a classic. All of a sudden, your child is wearing long sleeves throughout the summer, mm-hmm. you know, and long pants and things like that. Well, ge- in general... Kids that are doing that might be covering up uh, tracks, Mm. signs of needle use, things like that. You know, they're covering scars. Mm. It could be other kinds of scars as well uh, if they're into things that, for instance, one of the things I'm thinking about, I said scars, but just sores in general. So some meth addicts end up with open sores Mm. on their arms and things like that. Cocaine can cause, with snorting, uh, inhalants, things like that, you can get sores around the nostril area. So if you notice that your child, now one time maybe not, but if you're starting to see that a little consistently, or even some um, like paint color around your child's nose, Hmm. they may offer some odd explanations for that, but don't, again, don't, yeah, Yeah. don't sweep it under the rug, pay attention. So then if you think about emotional, you know, this part's really tricky with teens because we know that they're emotional Going anyway. emotions. They are. changing, yeah. But what you're looking for is, is this a kid that is becoming so irritable and surly that you can't even have a conversation with them anymore? If you try to talk to them about alcohol or drug use, do they get really defensive? You know, are they pulling away from family activities? Are they isolating in their rooms? socially, are they, did they change friends? Mm -hmm. This is, that's That's huge to me. That's a big thing. If they're starting, you know, if they're pulling away from friends that they've had throughout grade school, and now they're starting to hang out with a totally different crowd, you're not familiar with these kids. Mm -hmm. They're more secretive. I, I get, you know, teens tend to want their privacy anyway, but I get really concerned when a teen starts acting really secretive. Mm. And it doesn't mean that it's drugs, but it is something that we want to be alert to. So they're a little more isolated than they normally would have been as well. Yes. Yes. Or they're gone all the time. Now, all of a sudden, their social life has picked up, but they're reluctant to tell you where they're going. Okay. Or if you check up and they, you find out that they didn't go where they said they were going to, you know, any kind of lying, things like that, that's we need to be concerned about that as parents. Okay, good. And maybe stealing from siblings? Unfortunately, yes. And 
by the time kids are stealing from their siblings or even from you, then I get really concerned. It's like that that's a child that's money, been, mm-hmm. that is a child too that's been, it, this has probably been going on for a while. And mm-hmm. if they've gotten to the stage where they're already stealing or shoplifting, things like that, if you're finding it, you know, if you happen to go into the room to clean their room and you're finding objects that you can't imagine how they could have gotten, mm-hmm. you want to be concerned about that. Right. And when the siblings come to you as a parent, and they are reluctant to talk to you about their brother or sister, but they do pay attention. Uh-huh. Again, yeah, just be aware. So what about educational issues, school? How is that going to change if they're failing grades? Mm-hmm. You know, you see an A student that's now pulling C's and D's. You want to be concerned about that. And not just around school. You may have teachers commenting, too, that they're they, – their demeanor has changed, their attitudes changed, they don't care about school the way they did before. Also with coaches, you know, I've seen kids that were really good athletes, and all of a sudden, they just didn't care. They Mm. dropped off the baseball team. And people were like, what? This was your life? What what is going on? Mm -hmm. And uh, in general, if they've gotten involved in, especially like something like marijuana, a lot of people today think marijuana is pretty harmless. And it's just not true. And I know that there are advocates for legalizing marijuana. And in the professional field, we go back and forth about that. Uh, I'm not sure that that's a good idea. Mm -hmm. I saw that just in the paper. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Well, and something people don't really appreciate is that marijuana today is about 14%, 14 times more potent than it was in my era. So there's a lot more toxicity Mm. in pot. It's just different. The Mm -hmm. quality of pot today is a lot different than it was. So it's not the innocent, harmless drug that we would like to think. So you shared some possible signs and symptoms, and we could go into more and we have some written resources that we can share with our listeners that might need more information. But before we talk about, you know, what we do as parents or grandparents, can you just (laughs) share a little bit about how kids get involved with drugs? And I know that's very diverse. And you talked about friends, changing friends, but any other thoughts about how they get involved? Because many times they're very good kids coming from great families, but then all of a sudden they're on drugs. One of the things, you know, in a way you're talking a little bit about prevention too, because we know that today through, and this is even, I've seen this in research before, but there's been new research recently that's come out with a study of 2,200 fifth and seventh graders. And consistently they found that kids that had parents who were involved in their lives, who were present to them, tended to be one half to one third less likely to get involved in alcohol and drugs. That parents, it turns out, can be a great prevention Mm -hmm. for kids to use. The other thing we know is that low self-esteem, you know, people ask me all the time, is it peer pressure? And how can I help my kids with peer pressure? The fact of the matter is kids who have positive self-esteem tend to not give in to peer pressure Mm -hmm. as much as kids who feel bad about themselves, Mm -hmm. who don't have the confidence that the other kids do. So anytime we can encourage and reinforce and support our kids, help them through thinking processes, openly talk about alcohol and drugs. What are the family rules? Mm -hmm. You know, what are, what are the guidelines in your family around alcohol and drug use? Uh, What are we modeling as parents? I think that's always important, too, because our kids 
take in what we do a lot more than they take in what we say. So if they see you come home from work and the first thing you do is head to the liquor cabinet for, you know, a relaxing cocktail after work, that's sending a message to our kids. I'm not saying it's wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm saying, think about it. Mm -hmm. Be mindful. Think about is this what you, is this the message you want to send to your kids that the way to relax is with alcohol? And by the way, a lot of people don't think of it this way, but alcohol is a drug. Yes. Those of us that are in the field consider alcohol a drug. So when I'm talking about drugs today, I'm talking about alcohol. I'm talking about street drugs, Mm -hmm. but I'm also talking about prescription drugs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's another place that we see kids getting access to drugs is from their parents' uh, medicine cabinet. Yeah. So if you had knee surgery and you got a Mm -hmm. prescription for oxycodone or, you know, a pain med of some sort, and now you're through with it, don't leave it sitting in your medicine cabinet. Because even if your child isn't going to use it, kids at school know about these things, and they're just as likely to approach your child and kids end up selling their parents' drugs mm. if they're not taking them wow. as a way to get money. That's amazing. I just heard a story about that with a college student recently. Mm. And, and the other thing, and then we want to probably spend the rest of the time talking about what parents can do, but the, our culture today is just more difficult. There's the internet and tweeting and cell phones and Facebook messaging. Uh, does that have any impact huge. on this? Mm. I think it's huge. Because for one, our kids are exposed to a lot more content than they ever were before. There are things, I, I when I've worked with adolescents, there are times where they'll hear me say in session after session, you're scaring yourself to death because you're getting on the web and you're searching for this stuff and the content that you're getting is beyond your ability to carry. Mm -hmm. You know, you're just not equipped for knowing some of the things that you're being exposed to. And the drug culture is alive and well on the internet and through social media. It also becomes a way that kids can communicate a lot faster with each other. And so drug dealing and things like that has become... it's. Mm become a whole new area of really expertise for kids. I did not know that. Well, I'm going to make a few announcements, and then I'm going to come back, and we're going to talk about what we do as parents or grandparents are just significant people in their lives to help and what we can do. Each week, Family Shield offers a complimentary booklet or resource to our radio listeners. This week, we're offering two booklets, Out of the Shadows, and Self-Control in an Addictive World. To receive a copy or copies of both, call the Family Shield Response Center at 1-877-317-4326 or email us at email at familyshieldministries.com. Make sure you mention the topic or program date when you call or write. Family Shield airs on over 51 radio stations in 25 states and encourages your prayers and financial support. You can send donations to Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. Uh, Before I go back and we continue talking to Patty, I want to give her an opportunity just to share her website and any other resources in case you're in the St. Louis metro area and want to reach her. Patty, uh, tell our listeners a little bit more about uh, Tapestry Counseling and how they can touch base with you. The easiest way is on my website. Uh, There's an ability to email me through that. So my website is tapestrycounseling.com. 
Okay, that's easy. And again, we will be adding your website to our recommended links. You also gathered together, we're going to talk about resources, but you gathered together resources for parents on this topic, as well as some books. And we have our recommended links on our website. We will add those websites and we will make these books uh, available through email for anyone that calls us so that we may mention some of them, but you, you put together a nice page of great resources for people that need help. And we want to connect people to good resources. So That's thank you great. so much. All right. So we want to keep talking about this. What to do if you think your teen is using drugs? First and foremost, of course, we pray. Absolutely. And we ask others to pray too. Absolutely. And that's an issue because... Most of the time, parents or grandparents are embarrassed or just don't want to tell anybody. Or feel ashamed. Uh It's as if, you know, not in my family, like, you know, this is the dirty little secret. And it's really not. This, as I said earlier in the program, this affects all kinds of families. It doesn't matter how wealthy, how poor, it doesn't matter. Right. So I, I always think shame likes for us to keep secrets and be separated. And that is not who we are. We're about prayer and connection. Absolutely. And so, you know, some of the most awesome dialogues have occurred when a a parent was brave enough to expose what was going on in her family to some of her other family groups. You know, personally, I belong to a, a praying group right now where we have more than one member who's got a child that's struggling with drugs mm-hmm. and was able to be brave enough to express that, to tell us some. And now she's to a point where she's been able to talk about some of the different things she's gone through, you know, police involvement, things like that, that really would be so embarrassing to her. And had she kept it to herself would be very debilitating to their family life. But because she shared it and she knows we're all praying about it, it's just opened it up. And I think it, for I think for us, it really helps us be more hopeful. Yeah, I, I think that is just so important. And I can't stress enough to be willing to tell someone you can trust. It doesn't have to be tell everybody, right? but pray and ask others to pray. Okay, what else do we need to do? I, I am a, a really strong advocate of being informed. You know, sometimes let's, you know, one of my favorite examples is let's say that you're Kid comes home from school, tosses their backpack in the entry hall, goes off. You go, you're aggravated because, oh, here it is laying in the entry hall again. You pick it up and a bag of pot falls out or a bag of little white pills and you have no idea what it is. I think for some of us as parents, the first thing we want to do is run to our child and confront them immediately. I don't recommend that because oftentimes your own feelings are in such disarray. You may even not know how you're feeling and the way we go about it, what's your kid going to say? It's not mine. Yeah. I was just carrying it for so and so. You know, don't put them in the position of lying to you at that stage anyway. Mm-hmm. So I would either put it back or flush it. They're probably, if you get rid of it, they're probably not going to say anything to you about mm-hmm. it anyway. But in the meantime, get information. Learn as much as you possibly can. Some of the resources that you're going to put on the website for them mm-hmm. will take them to websites where they can investigate about signs, symptoms, ask questions, be on chats with other parents, things like that. So becoming informed is first. Mm -hmm. Secondly, when you want to talk to your child, be prepared so that you have some ideas about what you're going to say, that you can control your own feelings. And I, I think about, you know, when you ride on an airplane, 
how the flight attendant says, if you're traveling with a child, be sure to put your own oxygen mask on first. Mm -hmm. I can't say enough about that. It holds true when you're dealing with alcohol and drugs in the family, too, that if you can calm yourself down first, talk to somebody else first, process it, vent, cry, yell, do whatever you need to do with another adult, and then get prepared for how you want to have this conversation with your child. Seek professional help if you need it, if you really want some guidance. I've certainly had, I had some grandparents come to me not all that long ago. And really, I spent one session with them. That's all it took mm-hmm. to baby, basically walk them through how to talk to their grandchild about and actually to talk to their own child about it so that their child could talk to their child. Mm-hmm. The, the Good. grandchild about it. So we don't want to go to them, shake them, and and get into a fight with them. No, absolutely. That's not going to accomplish anything. It's really not. And I, I think if we think about this spiritually, what we want to do is love them. Mm-hmm. We want to come at this loving. We also still want to stay in the truth. We want to be firm about it. So I've seen plenty, I've worked with, I can't tell you how many families over the years, and sometimes this is difficult for couples, because one parent will be feeling very sorry for the child, and, well, we can't let them fail school, or we can't take them out of college, and the other parent is really angry. What works best is... I'll just give an example of school. A lot of parents are so invested in their kids graduating that they can't see that by enabling, by covering up, by excusing the behavior, by keep rescuing them and bailing them out of trouble, that they may graduate from school and die. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is not, this is life or death. Mm -hmm. It really is. it, It is. And you want to be very firm about consequences. So when you have a talk with your child, you want to know what the outcome is that you're looking for. You know, it's not just, we're just not going to yell at you and say, you know, you can't hang out with Johnny anymore or whatever. You also want to be able to to let them know that this is what we expect in our family. And no, you won't be taking the car out for the next month. And we're also going to learn more about alcohol or drugs. We're going to have some discussions about this. One of the best preventative things, real quickly, for kids is teaching them about brain development. Hmm. One of the local organization here in St. Louis is called the National Council on Alcohol and Dr- Alcoholism and Drug Abuse. And they've found that some of the most effective prevention has involved teaching kids about brain development, that their brain is still under construction. David Walsh talks about that in his book, Why Do They Act That Way? Um, why Know Why Kids of All Age Need to Hear It and Ways Parents Can Say It by David Walsh. That's, that's one of them. And then the other one is Why Do They Act That Way, oh, which why? is a teen's, a, a parent survival guide to the teen years or uh, something like that. And that one's excellent because he talks about brain development in there. So it's not just us learning. It's actually helping the teens Teach. learn that. I did not know that. Absolutely. I have actually had teens be able to verbalize that they wouldn't, once they learned these things about their brain, that they wouldn't use drugs or at least delay onset, you Mm -hmm. know, even of drinking, that they would wait longer before they had their first drink. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So what else about getting help? Uh, uh, um, Al-Anon, can we touch on that? I'm a big fan of Al-Anon. I know some people think it's the blind leading the blind, but the advantage to it is your Al-Anon has meetings that are specifically for parents. So if you go to the Al-Anon website, in, it'll, you can find meetings in your area because it's international. Mm-hmm. And 
look for specifically for parents meetings. You're then in meetings with parents who've been there and done that. So you're, you might be brand new to this, but you'll be in rooms with parents who've gone through this already and they're on the other side and their kids are doing better. Or maybe they did lose a child, but now they're sticking around to help others avoid some of the pitfalls maybe that they went through. Yeah. So one of the main things we want to make sure parents and grandparents know is that you don't need to go this alone on this. You don't need to keep it a secret. You need to find resources and help. And it's really a need. It's not so much that you don't have to go it alone. It's that going it alone doesn't work. Oh, good. It doesn't work. Okay. It really doesn't. It's next to impossible to deal with someone's alcohol, I don't care if it's an adult or a child, by yourself. Okay, thank you for sharing that. I know we have uh, less than five, three minutes left. So what else do you want to share with our listeners during that time? Just that kids are awesome. However, they're still kids. And it is our job as parents, you know, getting back to brain development, We've learned through research in the last 10 years that the brain's not completely developed until kids are 25, 26 years old. We used to think we'd take them to college like, woo, they're launched, we're done. No, they're not done. They can get in a lot of trouble in college. And parents need to stay hands on. Mm -hmm. You want to allow them some freedom, but don't just let go of them completely. We need to stay involved in their lives. Uh, family dinners are helpful. Mm-hmm. You know, make the time. Talk, when we talk to kids, make sure you're listening. It's, I can't tell you how many parents have the best of intentions, but they end up doing all the talking. And you can watch the teenager's eyes glaze tune over. Out. Yeah, <laughs> It's tune out. And yeah. we how do we learn what our kids are thinking if we aren't quiet? Okay, so we need to listen twice as much as we, we talk to them. We do. Yeah. And and again, uh, I think we've said this, but I want to say it again. The parents have to be the parents. They 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 have to uh, put some rules down, and and but they have to do it in love. They have to do it with prayer. They have to do it with help. I agree. And I, I think it's so important for especially when we start younger with kids, if they know what the family expectations are around alcohol and drugs, for instance, and my kids would tell you this, I told them, I said, listen, if you get involved in alcohol and drugs and you ever land in jail, I'm not coming to see you. <laughs> and they knew it. It was like, this was a given. It didn't happen. You told them ahead of time. About <laughs> I, when they were young, I said this oh, to them. Okay. You know, it, there's just, this is an expectation in our family. Mm-hmm. And it's not that they didn't, you know, go through their own ups and downs and that, but that's just, you know, an exaggerated example of sure, some of the things sure. that I said to emphasize to them how important this was and how precious they are to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that, and that's important too. I mean, we can go back to say before it happens, we want them to have good self-esteem. We want them to know that we love them. Tell them, show them. Yeah. It's so helpful for parents and marriages. So again, my time is up. Uh, my guest has been Patty Bitter of Tapestry Counseling. Her website, www.tapestryconseling.com. If you want to learn more about Family Shield Ministries, our website is www.familyshieldministries.com. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com 
or Wright Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. And tune in again next week for Family Shield.